listen, put me in the parking lot, you know, um, with bears, and I'll go out there and play. It don't matter. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Happy Ferg Friday to everyone as Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer joins us today. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you, man? I'm good. I am good. Intern Jaws, how are you? Doing great. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. All right, so the schedule came out this week for the 2021 Auburn football season. What was your kind of just overall general reaction to it, Ferg? Outside of the fact that Auburn has to play Georgia and LSU back-to-back, I got that backwards, LSU then Georgia, right. it's pretty balanced everywhere else. Um, this is the first time since 2003 Auburn will not play consecutive road games in the SEC. It is a full alternating schedule. Um, so that's, I think that's a pretty good you know, pick up there for for Brian Harson in this in this first year. You don't have to go through a stretch like in seventeen and nineteen. Auburn had three road games in a row in SEC play, so I think that's a I think that's going to be a really big help. It's pretty balanced elsewhere. The four non conference games and the eight conference games, you know, I think it's a little different as well. Uh, outside of maybe like flipping the state game and like the Georgia State game, I can't really see how it could have been easier though. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it really helps you that much. Um, if you're playing, you know, Alabama State or Georgia State later in the season, um, but you know, I, I think I think it's a I think it's a fairly balanced schedule. It's 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 a probably as easy quote unquote as you're going to get an SEC schedule with with Auburn's you know set set uh, list of opponents. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people have pointed out the the LSU Georgia back to back, but it's like, tough. but but if you move that, like, it's almost impossible to not have. Either LSU Georgia back to back, or like Georgia A and M back to back, or Alabama yeah. and LSU. I mean, you're going to have two good teams back to back at some point of the season, unless it's just perfect. So, mm-hmm. I think the road, you know, the way they're going to start the conference play on the road at LSU could be a perfect scenario for Brian Harson as far as all the storylines. And he's not a storyline guy. He's not going to care that Auburn hasn't won there for forever. Yeah, he, no. He's not going to care about that. Nope. But if he wins, Auburn fans will care a lot about oh, yeah. it. And you you talk about winning over a fan base early. That could do it. it. It could do it. And no one really knows what to expect from LSU this next season. They're Change it over both their coordinators again. They could go six and six or ten and two. They would easily. Uh, yeah, I, I got, wouldn't be surprised by. They've either. got a ton of talent, and then this off season they decided to go back and say, "All right, well, we were really good when we had Joe Brady and Dave Aranda, so let's go get Joe Brady and Dave Aranda disciples, for lack of a better a better term, and they're going to yeah. try to run it back. Maybe it'll work. Steam's got a ton of talent. I thought their defensive scheme last season was just atrocious, and that's why they were as bad as they were. And they were never going to live up to what their offense was a year before. So um, there was also we'll another very key element in their success two seasons ago. Yes, a yes. Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Yeah, and he was playing for the Bengals last year. So yeah, yeah. I mean that that makes a huge difference as well. So I, if they go down to LSU and get a win, that's I mean that's a monster win for the program early on. And then the other thing is is that you get two knock you get two tune up games before you go to Penn State. I don't really know what Penn State is going to be like this year. I think they will be a good team. Um, I think that would be close to kind of like talent wise, that would be close to a toss up. But the fact that you will get to play Akron and Alabama State and kind of get things going, I mean, you get two games to kind of work out the kinks because this is going to be new systems. It's going to be a new system on offense, it's going to be a new yeah. system on defense. I think that's a win 
Um, but we kind of knew that that was already happening, that that, that game was going to be in week three. I think just the only thing is that you didn't get a, an SEC game in week two or something like that to, mm-hmm. to kind of make things harder. Do you like the whole, all right, here's the non-conference and let's move into the SEC slate? Do you I, think that's possible and doable because of 2020 where it's like, oh, they mm-hmm. played 10 straight conference games and like yeah, it wasn't com- that big of a deal? Don't complain. Like, Yeah, I, I think I think that's a, I think it's a good move for sure um I, I prefer it because I'm I'm of the opinion that 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 late season non-conference game it's good to get experience for other guys but like most of the time you get to that point in the year and you're just praying if you're a, if you're a fan or a coach like please don't get anybody hurt yeah. please don't let anybody get hurt um so you kind of avoid that because you're gonna play eight straight where you're gonna have to bring your a game because it's, because it's conference play so I, I think that'll end up being you know, it's a grind for sure, but you just went through the ultimate grind with, with what the 2020 schedule was like. Yeah, and whenever there's like an Alabama State or a Sanford, like before you play Alabama, it's like it just stretches out the Iron Bowl coverage for two weeks. Right. And so I'm glad yeah. I'm glad we'll be able to cover South Carolina and then cover Alabama. Yeah, and then the other thing is, is that South Carolina, that game stayed, you know, wondering if they were going to switch up the opponents or something like that because they did go to South Carolina last year and that was one of the pickup games they had. They're just gonna stick to the old script and just say, "Hey, twenty twenty wasn't a real wasn't yeah, twenty twenty did not exist." Yeah, yeah let's, let's just, just keep basically. going. <laughs> let's just let's just keep it moving from there. So, um, that'll be an interesting game. I, I I don't particularly think South Carolina is going to be that good this year, but well, they weren't know. good in twenty twenty either, right. and they still beat Auburn. So exactly, exactly, and um, I still I still say if Auburn uh, had their head coach calling plays in that game, they beat South Carolina. But fair enough. That's you know. Another uh, that, that that that's a moot point at this point. Yeah, and then you know the whole South Carolina Auburn dynamic right now is interesting because well, you, Bobo what, and some other assistant. Well, you coaches. had three, and now you're down to two, so true. it's not quite as strong as it was. That's true. Yeah. So, but yeah, Bobo and, uh, and friend being there, I think that'll be very very interesting. Um, and just I mean, by that's game eleven, you should know fully what that offense is going to be by that point. And I mean, if Auburn played South Carolina in week eleven last year, assuming there was that many weeks and all that, it's oh, like kill them. Yeah, it's it you know the wheels have fallen off. That's what happens with those bad teams. It's like well, they fire Muschamp. They fire Muschamp, right. and like half their roster decides, all right, we're done playing football. Yeah, like every every NFL guy with any NFL potential on that team just stopped playing, which I don't blame them. Right, right. I think you'd rather play good programs early, which you are with LSU and Georgia, and then bad programs late, which you are with Mississippi State and South Carolina. So I think the way a lot of this was drawn up is very very favorable for the Tigers. Right, and, and this in this year for Auburn, like everybody. Wants to rush out and say, "Okay, what 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 is the ceiling? What is the floor?" It's like, man, we don't know what this roster is going to look like at this point. There, but we, I think we do know what the ceiling and the floor is. Yeah, and but like, I don't the other teams as well. Like, it's 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 tough to it's tough to see. I I would say though that like this is a this is like you said this is a favorable schedule where they could they could get on a little run. They're going to get some tough tests early. They're going to be able to adjust. Like we kind of think about Malzahn's thirteen season. I'm not saying they're going to go. To the national title game, but like they got some get, they got some wins early. Mm-hmm. They had the big the trip to LSU. You know, if you want to make another comparison, sure, got them to reset, and then they had some games where they could start piling up wins before they got to Alabama. Back then, it was Georgia and Alabama together. Now with Georgia moving around, it's going to be a, a, a little bit different. That's a fascinating look though, because you haven't won at LSU in forever, and then the next week you play Georgia, and like 
if JT Dan- if if JT Daniels is as good as he as people say he could be with Georgia and they get that offense kind of clicking, they're going to be like awesome next season. They brought back so much talent. When you think about that Auburn Georgia matchup next season though, that will be the first time Auburn fans get to go in Jordan Hare and you assume that there's going to be a pretty decent crowd at that point. You Hopefully. hope all this stuff Man. is behind us. Hopefully. And so in the world where everything's fixed and you're able to have sold-out stadiums... That's your first big game. That'll be the first one at Jordan-Hare. And that place... I mean, you know how many people want to be oh, yeah. <laughs> in a sold-out Jordan-Hare stadium right now? Yeah, and especially if Auburn can... Say, if they beat LSU and you're talking about Auburn potentially being 5-0 and heading into that game, you know, if they beat Penn State and LSU... You know that's a that would be a incredible environment, um, and it doesn't matter what happens with Georgia in Week One if they beat Clemson or if they lose to Clemson. Like they're going to be awesome next season, so yeah. it'll be it'll be a fun one. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Justin Ferguson joining us. This is Locked On Auburn. Today's show brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. We talk about it all the time here on Locked On Auburn, but a ton of amazing flavors, kind of always rotating. In and out, my favorite. If they when they have it is the the dark chocolate cookie dough. I think it's fantastic. They also got coconut. That's one of their better sellers, I believe. Peanut butter brownies is another one of my favorites. All these bars covered 100% in chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they all have a ton of protein, low sugar, low calorie, high fiber. Great for the keto diet if you were into that sort of thing. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Jay Ferg, I want to get your thoughts on Auburn's Newest coaching hire. We have said that they have finished the uh, finished hiring out the coaching staff <laughs> once, and now they have done it yet again with the hiring of Nick Eason. Jaws and I talked about this on yesterday's show. I really, really like this hire. This is a really good hire, I think, in a scenario where you go out and get Tracy Rocker, and it's like, all right, this is a guy with SEC experience. This is an Auburn guy. He's he's got a, a ton of development chops as as a defensive line coach. And then a better offer comes along where I mean it was no secret we we talked I think we might have talked about it on here when Rocker got hired it was like Tracy Rocker was not a guy who was a quote unquote elite recruiter mm-hmm. he's already been in the NFL in the past you get an opportunity to go coach defensive line and you don't have to worry about recruiting oh, like go yeah. t- go take that go take that job um, so then you go to the NFL and get a guy which is very interesting because I think it shows that. Auburn that defensive staff that staff believes that they're going to be able to recruit and they don't necessarily need a guy on the defensive line that's going to be this ace recruiter they wanted development they want they wanted to place a premium on it and I mean if you're coaching defensive line in the NFL you know what you're doing at a really high level and so I think it's I think it's a a really good good pickup for him and also um you know he's got plenty of experience in the 3-4 he helped uh he was there when the Titans moved from a 4-3 to a 3-4 Obviously, Cincinnati Bengals had that as well. 
um, you know, these last couple of seasons. And, you know, this defense under Derrick Mason is going to be 3 4 4 3. They're going to move around. But, like, I think the core of it is they're going to have to make a transition to kind of more of that two gap system. Well, here's, here's a guy who, who's been doing it for a while. Is there a guy that comes to mind on this defensive front that could benefit the most from a hire like this? Because I think development is going to be a key thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, how much did guys get better from the start of week one last year to the end of the season? And it's like, Derek Hall is really the only one that comes to mind that took that big jump. I mean, Colby, Colby, Colby Wooden. Did he get better though, or was he just uh, he got better from last year to this year? He got he got better, and okay. he, he just played he just played a lot more. Sure, because he you know couldn't play a lot. I mean, who knows if he was healthy last year? If he didn't have mono the the summer before, he might have been that dude as a true freshman. Yeah, maybe but, you're right. Um, I, I think it's these young guys who we know have a lot of talent. We just haven't seen a lot of them yet. And you're going to get a guy who's going to be so technique focused, you know, te- teaching you this is the way we're going to do things. It's how we do. We know you're big and strong and fast. Let's, you know, you know, uh, refine those skills into into being a good defensive lineman in the system. So, um, you you can look at guys kind of like how Wooden was last year. You can look at guys like like Stone Handy. You can go look at guys like like Jay Hardy. Um, when you bring in, um, you know, different you know, the, these guys coming in in this. Uh, and this uh, Lee Hunter is, mm-hmm. is one that comes to mind. So I, I'm thinking of these guys who are big-name recruits coming out of high school might not have broken through yet. You know they're talented. It's just going to be like, how can we take that talent and move them into you know a, a roles that are going to fit on this defensive line? I, I, I like that kind of potential. When you look at the defensive ends and guys that possibly may stand up, what do you expect the relationship to be like between – the defensive line coach and the outside linebackers coach. Yeah, I think they're going to have to work together because this is this is a group and this is a defense under you know if you look at Derrick Mason's defense in the past, it's very versatile. They move fronts around a lot. Guys will put their hands down on yeah. one play. They'll stand up on the other play. They'll move them around. They'll do a lot of different things. So I think it's going to have to be very collaborative with those edge rushers um, and that those defensive linemen. Uh, so I'm very curious to see how how that how that works out, and then a guy like Burt Watts coming in with with yeah. defensive coordinator experience himself, um, you can see like a lot of I think there's going to be a lot of collaboration, a lot of talking. There's so much experience on that defensive side of the ball. Well, that role that Burt Watts has is super interesting to me because outside linebackers, it's like okay, but like the inside linebackers coach is going to be involved. Schmetting's going to be involved. I mean, there's going to be a lot of conversations there. Oh yeah, and then there's going to be a lot of conversations between Burt Watts and. And now Nick Eason. And Watts also has special teams coordinator. It kind of makes me feel like his job is actually special teams coordinator, and then he helps out with outside linebackers. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it seems like to me. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what that what that what that looks like because the that outside linebacker, if they go to if they do a traditional outside linebacker, if they do some of the the stud stuff that you know Boise State did in the past, and we've seen a little bit from Vanderbilt and, yeah. and Stanford defenses in the past, yeah, he's going to have some dedicated guys like. Um, it is definitely outside linebacker in this system would probably be the smallest position group in terms of players that you're coaching. So it makes sense to put like it's kind of like how um, it's kind of like how uh, Larry Porter was special teams coordinator on top of being the tight ends coach. There's not as many guys that you have to be responsible for, so right. you can you can kind of broaden out your horizons a little bit. I mean, I guess Cadillac would be the other one, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. not, and that's why Tim Horton used to be special teams coordinator as well. Like that, there's not a there's these smaller position groups. You know, when you have fewer guys, you can kind of ta- you know, you know, tack on more responsibilities with with your special teams. And what you know, what else is Cadillac going to do? You think? 
Well, I'm sure he'll have some special teams things as well. Because like usually when you when you have a special teams coordinator, it's a guy overseeing it, and then there's a position coach that's like he's responsible for like kickoff team. This guy's responsible for punt block. This guy's responsible for um, punt coverage. Like that. There's there's separation like that, so I'm sure Cadillac huh. will be involved in, in that area as well. They're not quote unquote like coaches like that, but they have responsibilities that when they do special teams work, you know, watching special teams, which is where we, where we end up watching a decent bit back in the old days when we used to practice, watch practice in the before time. Uh-huh. You'd get a lot of special team stuff under Gus because it was like, okay, we're not going to show you anything. Here's some special teams. Right. But special teams was really fascinating when you would watch it because there's like coaches flying all over the place and barking out stuff. Um, because yeah, there's those responsibilities that you split up between that group, so that the special teams coordinator can kind of be the overseer of everything, but everybody has their has their little role to play. Sure, right. Is there a, is now that the the staff is done, is there a position coach that you think is like kind of primed to break out in their current role now? I okay, so I wrote about him on Thursday morning at at um, at the Observer. I really, really like Zach Etheridge's potential. It's my favorite hire, too. That defensive side, like, look at that defense side of the ball now. You've got an NFL defensive line coach. You've got two linebackers coaches who have been coordinators in the past. Your right. safeties are going to be coached by Derek Mason, who is your defensive coordinator and has so much experience. Etheridge is the only, really the only guy who's kind of a fresh face or someone who hasn't had, you know, higher, higher level experience in the coaching ranks. But yeah. I really like his potential. You obviously know as as an Auburn guy, you know, they, there was the Brian Harson uh, quote last week when he talked to us. Is like when Etheridge talked to the team and introduced himself to the team. He's like everybody was locked in. Harson said the hair on the back of his neck stood up because like you could tell kind of the passion that he gave through. That's going to connect. You look at his track record uh, at Louisiana Lafayette. And at Houston, those weren't awesome pass defenses, but his guys, specifically at corner, he had some success stories. I mean, he had a guy um, develop into somebody who got some decent run this season for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, at corner. Uh, he had a third-team All-American uh, at cornerback uh, at Houston this past season. He's, his guys are usually really disruptive, tons of pass breakups, ton of interceptions. And you look at the group he's inheriting, Roger McCreary coming back is, is, is big, Nehemiah Pritchett. Um, you know, those guys I think are going to be really, really um, good guys for him to kind of build with. And I'm, I'm very curious to see what he's going to be like as a recruiter because he's already putting out some offers to some big name guys in these 2022 and 2023 classes. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see with his potential. You're listening to Locked On Auburn. I want to encourage you to head over to betonline.ag. It's the one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. To place your sports wagers, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. All kinds of things to bet on, especially with the Super Bowl coming up. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. And visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore ag to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business, sign up for a free account and use the promo code Locked On for your sign-up bonus. So, what's going on these days at the Auburn Observer? A lot of basketball and a lot of football, as as we we've got going on. But yeah, uh, basketball really really starting to catch on. Um, it, it helps when Auburn scoring 109 and beating ranked teams. That's yes. uh, that's that makes for a lot more fun riding. Uh, but yeah, we have breakdowns of every uh, Auburn basketball game uh, with our observations. Usually do a, a couple of stories a week. You know, outside of the game stories on them, uh, two podcasts, a free one on Sundays, and a, and, a, and a premium one during the midweek with myself and Painter Sharpless, and 
going to continue to kind of work work our way through uh, this coaching staff and some some hires like that. I mentioned the Etheridge story earlier this week had a had a story on Cornelius Williams as well, kind of breaking him. He's a, he's one and I also am really people high. love him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And there was uh, you know there was some things early on we're like oh well he he's only been at Troy or like he's yeah. You know, when I read the resume, I was like okay this seems like it makes sense. I'm just like this isn't sexy to me. Like it's right. not exciting, but. The more you hear about it, the more I'm like, okay, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe this was a big deal. I have a, I have a theory, and, and we see it a little bit with Etheridge, and we've seen it in the past with other guys at Auburn. It's like, if Cornelius Williams would have played at Auburn instead of Troy, everybody had been over the moon for that hire. You're right. And so, you know, he's got more experience on his resume than a guy like Travis Williams or Cadillac Williams or, or Cody Burns had coming into Auburn. Yeah. I just think that it's that, that connection is going to be very good. But, yeah. All that stuff going on at AuburnObserver.com, uh, $60 a month or $60 a year to get you access to all of it. So, the Sharif Cooper thing. Yeah, he's real good. He's very good. Um, there's no chance he stays, right? If he keeps playing like this, and and unless it's like NBA teams are like, yeah, buddy, we like you, but we still think you're a little too small, or like, you know, you didn't play full season, Maybe, but like, it well, the two small things not going away. It's not going away, right? So, like, I don't think that's relevant in the whole like, is he going or staying debate. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like, are they going to want to see him? All right, can you do it again? You know, can can you do it again, or is it a, is it was it a fluke? No, I don't. I think he's going to be able to get a lot of people talking about. Him. This is a really good point guard class. Like, Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs are going to both be guys who are going to be higher ranked than him as as prospects. We'll see, man. Like, if he keeps playing like this, I, it's going to be hard for him to turn down the NBA. It, it just is. And it sets up a kind of worst-case scenario for Auburn with him was that you didn't get a full season with him, you didn't get a postseason with him, and then he leaves a, a, after a year. But but you get to start saying, if you're Bruce Pearl, that you've had three first-round draft picks in a row. Three. I mean, and if Chuma, Chuma was one spot away from being a lottery pick. Yeah. Like, if he doesn't tear his ACL, he's easily a lottery pick. You're right. And that's just going to recruit itself. We will see what they have going forward in the future. If a guy like Sharif Cooper leaves, you know what do they what does what does Auburn do? I know I know everybody every Auburn fan will be like, see if Scoot Henderson will reclassify. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if he's uh-huh. if he's open to that or not. Um, but I also think if 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 Sharif Cooper left, if I'm Bruce Pearl, I can go into the transfer portal and any point guard in the country and say, look what we do here, and look what we do with our point guards. Come on down. You get to play with. JT Thorne, Jabari Smith, and Alan Flanagan, and, and all these guys uh, uh, next season. And then, you know, an experienced grad transfer point guard, Auburn's still a championship contender next season. Yeah. But, man, this dude this dude is just different. Like, it is it is remarkable. Like, and you feel like you're saying that when you see a guy like Isaac Coral last season, you're, you're like, I don't know if I've, I've seen a guy at Auburn in a while do the stuff that he does. And then <laughs> the next year you get a guy who's even better than that in terms of his production. Uh, he's rare. He's a rare basketball player because not only can he score and get his own bucket, but he's such an unselfish player that, like, like the other night against Missouri, it, it felt like it was he was quietly getting like he it was like five or six assists at halftime. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Like he just keeps doing stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, and then the other night against Missouri, a game where you needed Auburn needed as much help as they could get rebounding. He leads the team in rebounds, like six one point guard. Mm-hmm. Like that's just this the way this dude works, man. He, I want him to get a triple double so bad. He's been close the last he's two been outings. Close. He has been close, and and um, 
I mean, the, the other thing there is, is like his stats are, his stats are absurd right now. Like you're, com- if you look at if you look at his numbers, there was a thread the other day. It's like, if you look at certain like shots at the rim and assists and si- assist percentage off of that, it's like the only guys that really compared to him in college basketball the last few years have been Trey Young and Ja Morant, mm-hmm. and they're good. He's only played SEC opponents. Yeah. Like, what if he would have had that run where they got to play Troy and South and Appalachian State at well, home? Well, that, that will change tomorrow. Texas Southern. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. He, and, uh, and that is not an SEC team. That is something ooh. much better. <laughs> that, is a te- that is a team that would, I mean, no disrespect to anybody else in the league, but, I mean, I would love to see a Baylor-Alabama game, but um, yeah. good gracious. Like, Bruce said it. Bruce said it after the game Tuesday night. He's like, Baylor might be the best team in the country. And then you immediately thought back, you know, drop, drop back and be like, wait, no, Gonzaga's number one, and Gonzaga's been kind of wire to wire number one. Then you just look at what Baylor's done, like statistically. Gonzaga's just beating everybody, but part of they kind of, they've kind of dropped off a little bit uh-huh. in terms of their production against West Coast. Baylor's just obliterating everybody they're, they're playing in, in Big 12 play. Yeah, they're almost like doubling up people. Like, it's crazy. And Kansas State, like, Kansas State sucks right now, but, like, they, but you, they doubling up so a conference bad. team? Oh, like, that's, a, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, they're 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 incredibly incredibly good. So yeah, you get your first non conference test, Sharif Cooper. It's just the number two team in America <laughs> and possibly the number one team. But he seems like the kind of dude that's like, I think he wants this more than anything. He said after the game on uh, on Tuesday night against Missouri, he's like, I know, like that's the other thing. He put up that those numbers and like Missouri couldn't stay in front of him. Mm-hmm. And that that is that is a backcourt of almost all seniors, and like that's a defensive minded team, right? And they still couldn't hang with him. And he said after the game, he was like, "I knew it was going to be a challenge. I knew this was going to be a tough game." He's like, "But I I had so much fun." It's like this dude, this dude is a this dude's a killer. He loves it. You can tell how much fun he's having playing for Bruce Pearl. You can tell how much his teammates love him. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that's a culture thing that Bruce has built. But one hundred percent. I talked about this. On the 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 post game pod that I did for uh, af- after Auburn beat Missouri, and I really started with the started the show talking about the graphic that ESPN two put up at the end of it. Auburn has defeated eight of its last eleven teams that they played uh, that have been in top twenty five teams. Yeah, and Bruce Pearl has a way of making his team play the best basketball it can against good opponents. Yep, and I mean we saw that with you know their run to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And even when like they weren't quite ready to compete with Duke, they were still able to earlier that season. So like they've always been able to do that since he's been there. Yeah, uh, especially the last f- four years, really. I just got a feeling it's going to be close on Saturday. I, I mean, you know what? I'm 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 with you. Like, this team. Was, I don't know if they're going to win, right? But I think it's going to be competitive. The the one thing I think is going to be the determining factor of that is how well does Baylor shoot from deep? Auburn has not played a good three point shooting team since Alabama. Yeah, and so. Baylor's really good at that, and Baylor's going to want to get a lot of those shots. Um, we know Auburn can block. Like, it's absurd this season that Auburn has had 14 blocks in a game twice and no one else has had more than 12 yeah. in a game. But if they if they protect the rim and they are scoring at an unbelievable clip, um, they are nearly .2 points per possession better with Sharif Cooper on the floor in SEC play this year. Extrapolate that out to 70, 75, um, 80 possessions a game. I mean, you're talking about – you know, 30, 35 point difference in, in wow. games this season. Yeah. Um, you know, he's 
He's he's a, he's one of those guys, or no, I'm sorry, my math is wrong there. Like twenty something, you know, point difference in games this season. Like that that's a huge chunk. It's a huge chunk. Big he, difference between scoring sixty five and eighty five. Right, and so he he's made such a difference. If they score like that and they protect the rim like that, and they don't, you know, Baylor doesn't just light them on fire from deep. I, I'm with you, man. They could they could keep it really really competitive. It's just like in college basketball this season. There's Gonzaga, there's Baylor, and there's pretty much everybody else. I think I think Alabama. Might be in that tier if yeah. you want to look at them with Iowa and some of those other teams like that. But, like, the, the gap is large. <laughs> and, yeah, you're but right. But one thing, Bruce Pearl and them is going to have that team because, like you said, the way they played against ranked opponents, he, they're gonna have, he's going to have that team walk into that gym in Waco on Saturday and think, we can beat these guys. And that is a confidence that can take can. you a long way. They, yeah. they, they can They've got the them. talent. They've yeah. got the talent. And that was the thing in the Missouri game. Missouri had the experience and Missouri had the, had the resume. Auburn had the talent. And the talent won out. Because nobody on the floor can hang with Sharif Cooper. You're right. And uh, he did his best Chris Paul impression of just being like, I am going to sell every little bit of contact that I get. I'm going to get to the free throw line. He gets it, man. He, he does. He gets it. Um, how can folks sign up for the Auburn Observer? AuburnObserver.com is where you go. You can hit the subscribe button up top. $6 a month or $60 a year. Get you all the stories and all the podcasts we do, and that gets sent directly in your email inbox. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Be sure to tune in to Locked on Auburn on Monday as we will recap everything that happens over this weekend. This has been Locked on Auburn. It's the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.